Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgewood Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. This episode is being recorded on Tuesday, January 21st, 2020, which is the date of the opening of the impeachment trial of the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. This marks a historic moment in American history, as this is only the third impeachment trial in the history of our country. My co-host, Pastor Lance Hahn, had another commitment this morning, so I'm flying solo, and I'm going to talk about how Christians should think about impeachment, what principles should guide our thoughts and actions during these historic and divisive times, what can the scriptures teach us about how to respond to these events, and most importantly, what opportunities exist for us to be witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ in these circumstances. All of that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 18 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. I am Brian Kiley, and I am flying solo. For the very first time in the history of the podcast, Pastor Lance had another commitment this morning, so he is not here. We uh, have been talking for the last few weeks uh, about... Should we do an episode about impeachment? And it's been sort of a running joke amongst those of us involved with the podcast. We've even gone so far as to say, well, if we want to end the podcast without saying we're quitting, let's just do an episode on impeachment and rile everybody up, and that'll be the end of it. Uh, That, of course, is a joke. Uh, But this episode has not been planned. It had mostly been determined we were going to avoid talking about impeachment for uh, reasons, most of which are pretty obvious, others of which might not be. Uh, But as I have been thinking about this the last couple of days, I felt an increasing conviction that we at least need to talk about it. If we're going to be truly engaging culture, we can't ignore such a historic cultural issue, even if it is controversial. And more importantly, what these issues do is they provide us an opportunity to think theologically about our own beliefs and about the way we engage with the world around us. And that actually primarily is what this episode is about. How can this event help us to think through our own beliefs and how we approach these types of issues? Uh, Just to get this out of the way, no, we're not talking about this only because Lance isn't here. In fact, I'd very much prefer for him to be here and to participate in the conversation. Uh, Another disclaimer, and Lance and I joke about this all the time, about how we are the kings of disclaimers, is one thing I will not be doing in this episode is offering any sort of personal opinion about whether or not President Trump should be impeached. As a pastor, I feel it would be improper for me to disclose my opinion on that matter publicly. It would certainly be improper to disclose it while doing specific church work. Uh, And then furthermore, my opinion is not the point of the episode. The point of the episode is to use this instance to think through how Christians can and think through these issues. Uh, So I'm, as I believe I mentioned a moment ago, I am not even going to talk all that much about impeachment specifically. So with that, I have some more disclaimers for you, and that is, to be honest, about my own perspective. Uh, First of all, it's important that we understand nobody is unbiased. If somebody tells you that they have no biases, then all all you have learned in that instance is that that individual is not particularly self-aware. Nobody is unbiased. All of us have biases, both conscious biases that we are overtly aware of, and unconscious biases, things operating underneath the surface of our own lives uh, that are influencing our behaviors and opinions. I am biased you're biased, we're all biased. Now, what I try to do is I try to be very, very, I try very, very hard to be honest 
about my biases and I try to the best of my ability to counteract my biases and to try to keep them at bay so that they are not influencing my thoughts and actions in any way that would cause me to be dishonest. Uh, Another thing you should know about me that I've talked about on this podcast before and Pastor Lance has as well is that I am nonpartisan. I I always have been. Uh, It is almost certain that I always will be. It is unimaginable to me at this point in my life that I would ever uh, officially join or link up with a political party. I'm in sort of this weird space in that I have zero interest in partisan politics, although I am very, very interested in issues that society deems political. Now, my interest is looking at these issues through a theological lens, not a political one. So we've even talked on this podcast before in past episodes about issues like abortion and gun control and the death penalty and sort of social moments like the take a knee situation that happened a few years ago. And I understand that society deems these issues political. I get that. I just don't think that is a very healthy way for Christians to engage with these issues. What I try to do is I try to engage with them from a theological perspective. Now, I have friends, including some of you who might be listening, uh, and then I have family members who are deeply partisan, and that's fine. They are staunch Republicans, staunch Democrats, staunchly conservative, staunchly liberal. Uh, that's fine. I am I am entirely accepting of individuals from all across the, the political spectrum. And uh, some some people even ask me, oh, how do you get along with people that are that are different than you or that think differently and all this? And to me, that's always been fairly easy. Uh, you just be nice and you be respectful. And when there are areas you don't agree, you talk about other things. So uh, that's that. So uh, my point in this bit of my introduction is just to tell you that if anyone tells you that I, Brian Kiley, am conservative or that I, Brian Kiley, am liberal, uh, they are incorrect. Uh, I'm not saying that their motives are bad. I'm simply saying they are not speaking truthfully. Uh, Now, I have never in my life said something out of loyalty to a political party, and I will certainly endeavor to never in the future say something out of loyalty to a political party. Another element uh, of kind of my own thinking that's important to recognize is that I don't like using the rhetoric of both sides. So saying, oh, well, people on both sides of this issue, because in my view, this complicates complex issues. I recognize that we live in a society where we have two dominant political parties, Republicans and Democrats. And because of that, we tend to think of issues as having two sides. And there are some issues that can be boiled down that simply. But the fact of the matter is most issues cannot. Uh, There are intermediate positions in between the extremes. So in my personal reflection and in my personal conversation, I try to avoid the language of both sides because, again, I think that oversimplifies complex issues. I've been critical of different government policies and things of that nature in the past. And when that happens, I've had people come to me and, and, and sort of assume that I am favoring the extreme opposite when that is simply incorrect. Now, here is where my own views can be a little bit 
unorthodox. Uh, I I believe it is problematic to affiliate with a political party, and here's why. It is not because I think it is necessarily wrong to believe conservative or liberal things. I do not. Uh, reasonable people can disagree on controversial issues, and part of what makes America an amazing place to live is that it is a place where we have the freedom to have spirited debates about what is best for our society. Pastor Lance and I have even debated things on this program that we do not agree with, or do not agree with one another on, rather. I see no problem in necessarily in believing conservative or liberal things or having conservative or liberal ideas. Where it becomes problematic, and, and I want to make sure this point is made carefully, the reason why affiliation with a political party can become problematic is exemplified by what we're experiencing in this impeachment process. Uh, my overwhelming life experience has taught me that when people are affiliated with a political party, it leads them to a place where they are more concerned with defending their side than with telling the truth. I want to say that again. My overwhelming life experience is that when people are affiliated with a political party, it leads them to a place where they are more concerned with defending their side than with telling the truth. Uh, this is highly problematic for Christians, uh, but I would argue it is problematic for any citizen in a civilized society. Uh, there's a famous pastor by the name of Andy Stanley who says that we must view our politics through the lens of our faith, not the fa not our faith through the lens of our politics. And all of us, regardless of our political opinions and leanings, would do well to adopt that approach. This leads me to my final point about my own perspective, uh, and that is that a core value of mine is radical honesty. Uh, forgive me for the sports analogy, but this is the best example I can give, is that uh, to me, the most irritating type of sports fan there is, is the fan who thinks that every call that goes against his or her team is wrong, and that every call that goes against their opponent is right. I watch a fair amount of sports, and it is unimaginable to me that I would allow my rooting preference to determine my opinion about the accuracy of a call. In fact, if I find myself annoyed at what I perceive to be a bad call, I immediately ask myself, what would I say if the team's were reversed because I care more about the game being officiated properly than I do about my team's winning. So I don't want bad calls ever, even if they benefit my team. I tell people all the time now to get away from sports. Sorry to, to make you suffer through that. I tell people all the time that I don't defend sides. I try my best to defend the truth. Do I do that perfectly? Of course not. None of us do that perfectly, but that is at least what I seek to do. Now, to talk briefly about impeachment specifically, as I stated in the open, this is only the third impeachment trial in the history of our country. There would have been a fourth, almost certainly, except that Richard Nixon, or excuse me, what would have been the third would have been Richard Nixon, but he resigned prior to, that would have been the second, excuse me, I'm getting my history wrong. We have Andrew Johnson, then it would have been Richard Nixon, but he resigned. Bill Clinton was impeached during his terms, and now we have President Trump. 
Um, to me, impeachment is a problematic process. If you followed the news at all, you've likely heard much made of this, that it is not a legal process. It is a political one. And I just talked to you about my value of radical honesty. And I don't think it is terribly controversial to suggest that we do not have radical honesty amongst those who will be deciding the fate of our president. Certainly, Republicans have a strong interest in protecting him and Democrats have a strong issue or have a strong incentive to attack him. Uh, the these are men and women who, if this was a court of law, they would be almost certainly dismissed as jurors. Some have even gone out and stated publicly that they are not impartial jurors. Uh, and while only one or two have said that publicly, my hunch is that nearly all of them are behaving that way privately. And you only need to look at how partisan the votes have been to see that. I don't have a better idea for how we go about conducting impeachment rather than having it be adjudicated by Congress. But it's just not a great process. Now, in terms of how we can think about this, how we can think about impeachment, I, I want to delineate between two different ideas. Uh, number one, I think that each one of us is free to hope for our preferred outcome based on preference. So, for example, if you believe that President Trump is an excellent president, for whatever reasons you believe that, uh, I don't think there is anything wrong with you hoping that the evidence ultimately points to him being not guilty of anything uh, inappropriate and for him to be acquitted of the charges and to continue as president. Similarly, if you do not, if you think President Trump is not a good president for whatever reasons you think that, I don't think it is necessarily wrong for you to hope that the evidence suggests that he has done something wrong and that he is ultimately removed from office. I think we are free to have those hopes and that's all fine, whatever your hope is. But we must be careful in not allowing our hopes to interfere with what we believe is the right thing to do. To go back to my dumb sports analogy, if I'm watching a basketball game and there's a question as to who the ball went out of bounds on, I can hope it went out of bounds on the other team and not on the Kings. However, that hope cannot color the way that I view what actually happened when you watch a slow motion replay and everything else. So is it fine for us to hope for different things? Sure. But my hope is that all of us as Christians would, would be of right mind saying ultimately what we want is that we want the truth to come out and we want whatever is true to be what carries the day. Now, what can our faith teach us about how to respond to these times? Uh, number one, uh, to go back to my own value of radical honesty, uh, telling the truth matters. Telling the truth matters a lot. Uh, Jesus constantly spoke of telling the truth. And in John chapter 14, he even described himself as the truth. Uh, to cite a couple of other scripture passages for, for you that speak to this importance of telling the truth, I want to read this fairly lengthy passage from Ephesians chapter 4, just to put this in context, where Paul writes, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may, they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for this day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And man, that is such a beautiful passage. And there is so much in there for us that could apply to our political discourse. Now, Paul is important to recognize. Paul is writing to Christians. These are commands for Christians, but nevertheless, these are commands that Christians would do well to internalize and to apply in a variety of areas of life, not the least of which how we engage with controversial or difficult issues. He says, put off falsehood and speak truthfully because we're members of one body. Community, community collapses where falsehood is allowed to exist. Integrity and honesty are absolutely crucial. And then he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I think too often, and I've certainly been guilty of this in the past, we get so passionate about whatever it is we believe that we speak about it in an unwholesome or condescending manner where we're needlessly insulting of those who think differently than we do. And and that is improper. The scriptures say, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And, and then what I, what I often hear people say when I'll uh, maybe approach a friend or someone I know just to kind of say, hey, man, the way you're behaving on social media or whatever else, I I don't think it's helpful. What people will often point out is they say, well, people that think different than me are behaving in that way, too. And and I simply say to them that that they're not your standard. Our standard is Jesus. Our standard is to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths in defense of anything that we believe. So there's so much more that could be said there. But I want to move on to another uh, passage. This is another favorite of mine. First uh, Timothy chapter four says this. He says, "Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full." acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people and especially of those who believe. Now, I want to place my emphasis here on verses verses 7 and 8. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales. Other translations say avoid silly myths. There is certainly plenty in our world that is godless and silly. It it is remarkable to me how when confronted with complex political and social issues, how quickly we we resort to name calling and belittling. And instead of focusing on issues, we make wild accusations about people who disagree with us. I had the misfortune the other day of being at the gym and I had forgotten my headphones. Normally I like to listen to instrumental music and then read while I'm doing some cardio. And And I was listening to a conversation next to me, and uh, all I will say is that these individuals were discussing what is happening in our country today, and it was clear that they were informed by sources who were not interested in telling the truth, but rather took the most extreme view you could of the particular perspective they were representing. And what was really unfortunate is these individuals were not really discussing the merits of the issue. They were simply sort of uh, shouting out different kind of ad hominem ideas that had very little to do with the substance of the issue. So, uh, 
uh, have nothing to do with godlessness. I think on some level that means that we're honest about issues, that we're actually seeking to understand what is going on, and that we make arguments based on reality, not based on simply wanting to attack the character of somebody else or saying, oh, well, the only reason they want to do this is X, when in reality that is simply not the case. Um, And part of training for godliness, I think, is training to be truthful and to be able to handle these types of issues in a truthful manner. One more passage I will point you to is Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. This is another favorite of mine where Paul writes, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There is so much in our culture today so many things are moving so quickly that we have uh, we have to be extremely intentional if we are going to pursue wisdom. Uh, we live in a perpetual outrage machine where it seems like everybody is outraged all the time. And when we are sort of outraged uh, and we move from outrage to outrage to outrage, it becomes very difficult to speak with wisdom. Now, I have not really been able to follow too closely what has gone on this morning in the United States Senate in Washington because I've been in some meetings, but I did see an interesting quote from Senator Mitt Romney from Utah where he was basically saying that he was describing his opponent saying, uh, listen, if everything is an outrage, then nothing is an outrage. And I think he is correct in stating that to not say anything positively or negatively about what Mitt Romney may or may not believe about other issues. He is certainly correct here that when we are outraged about everything all the time, nothing is an outrage. Or to put it in the language of organizational leadership, if everything is a priority, then nothing is. In order to think with wisdom, we have to be able to understand what is truly a big deal, so to speak, and then what isn't. And if we are not intentional about thinking through that, we will simply be drawn along society's path of being constantly outraged all the time. And this is problematic for a number of reasons, not the least of which is it makes it difficult for us to really delineate between what's really important and what's not. Uh, And then the second is this, for, for those of us that participate in the outrage machine who are, say, for example, constantly posting on social media about how awful things are, or even about how great things are, or about how much we love or or don't love political figures or the like, we have to understand we're not influencing anybody. If all you do is post about outrage all the time, people quickly grow tired of it and you will begin to lose your influence. So I always like to counsel people, listen, you might be very passionate about whatever it is your issue is. If all you do is talk about that issue, you will lose the ability to influence people. And if you're not talking carefully and in a measured tone, you will lose the ability to influence people. And just in my own personal life, I want to think through things deeply. I want to know scripture well. I want to be in step with God's spirit. And then insofar as I am in line in all of those areas, my heart is to influence and not influence so that I can have more power or authority. My heart is to do the work to be able to speak and act with biblical wisdom. And I want to influence to that end. And I would hope that that is your desire as well. None of us will do that perfectly, but that is a des- that is in my view, a proper desire that God might call us to, that we would walk not as unwise, 
but as wise. Those are some passages I feel that can help us in discerning and recognizing how ought we to think about this specific scenario, this specific time in American history, but there are issues that are helpful in other situations as well. Uh, a second way that we can respond is to pray. First uh, Timothy 2 talks about praying for our leaders. I would encourage you to pray for our leaders. I would encourage you to pray for President Trump. I would encourage you to pray for Senator McConnell, for Senator Schumer, for all of the people involved, regardless of what you personally think of their views. When we, we are called to pray, not because we necessarily believe a leader is right or perfect, certainly no leader is perfect, we are called to pray for our leaders for wisdom. And as it pertains to the impeachment process, I would encourage you to join me in praying that justice and truthfulness will prevail. I have not been in these closed door hearings. I have not looked at all of the evidence. I have only seen the little bits and pieces that I've seen as I've paid attention to the media. I understand I don't know the full story of what really is going on. So my prayer is that those who have access to the full story would act in the name of justice and truthfulness above all else. Uh, next, I, I want to encourage you to be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you listen to. If you are listening to a voice that is only always telling you that one side is right and the other is wrong, you can be sure that that voice is not telling you the truth. That's all I'm going to say about that. Be careful who you listen to. And then be measured, respectful, kind, and honest in your dealings online. Be measured, respectful, kind, and honest. I, I want to urge you, if you are a follower of Christ, please avoid name-calling. Please avoid statements like, the only reason this is happening is because, you know, the Republicans want to engage in a cover-up or because the Democrats hate Trump. I mean, that's just simply not the case. These issues are far more complex than we want to make them, make them appear. And when we are not measured and when we are not respectful, we lose credibility in the world. And credibility is vital if we are going to be witnesses to Jesus Christ. No matter how passionate we are about an issue, no issue is worth sacrificing our witness, sacrificing our ability to speak credibly to people about the reality of the gospel. That is ultimately what is most important. Now, to be clear, we can think differently and we can think differently passionately about different issues. We can believe that different ideas are harmful and toxic. That's fine. We can believe that certain ideas are absolutely necessary. That's fine. There are certainly ideas that fall in both of those categories to me. But it is vital if we are going to be witnesses to Jesus Christ that we express ourselves in a manner that is measured, respectful, kind, and honest. And then the last question I'm going to bring up, and to me, these types of political issues are so helpful in asking this question. Here, here's my question that I want, to, I want to urge all of you to consider. If the facts of this case were exactly the same, if the facts of this case were exactly the same as you understand them, but the president was a Democrat, would you think differently about what the right thing to do is? I'm not asking, would you hope differently? You very well may hope differently, and that's fine. But if the facts of this case were exactly the same as you understand them, but the president was a Democrat, 
Would you think differently about the what the right thing to do is? And I want to suggest to you, if you are a Christian and your answer to that question is, yeah, I think I would think differently, that is highly problematic. And I would urge you to think through the role that partisan loyalty plays in your own thinking. So whether you are, and I've known Christians over the years, I've known a lot of Christians who are politically conservative here in Placer County. There's certainly a large percentage of conservative folks. I've been in environments where most most Christians I know were, were, were politically either centrist or liberal. I've lived in kind of both environments. And I am speaking to both camps and recognizing to my point I said earlier, there are intermediate positions as well. And I know that there are a lot of us out there just saying, hey, I'm not loyal to either side. I just kind of want all of this to go away. And I, I certainly can recognize that sentiment. So understand I'm speaking to everyone here. If the facts of this case were exactly the same, but the president was a Democrat, would I think differently about what the right thing to do is. And I'm telling you, if we say we would think differently, then what we're doing is we're sacrificing our ability to be trusted, to be truth tellers in the world. And if we're not going to be truthful when it comes to controversial issues, we ought not be surprised when people don't understand us to be truthful when we're talking about matters of truly eternal significance, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I urge you, hope for whatever you want. Think what you want with scripture as your guide about the various issues that we encounter in our world today and understand we can disagree and debate those issues as loving brothers and sisters in Christ. But please don't let yourself come to the point where the where your preferences determine your understanding of what the right thing to do is. Is because there is simply too much at stake for Christians to be people who sacrifice their ability to tell the truth in the name of some other end. So we don't know how this is all going to play out, but once again, I think these issues serve as an excellent opportunity for us to evaluate our own thought processes, to evaluate how truthful we are and how honest we are. And to evaluate if we are indeed being the types of people who can avoid silly myths, who can avoid godless myths, but who instead are being trained up for godliness. So would encourage you to join me in prayer through all of this. Please, please, please be kind and respectful and measured and honest in your dealings online. And ultimately, my hope is that somehow through this, that God might work and that we, whatever the outcome is, we might come together as a more united country, that followers of Jesus of diverse political opinions might be able to be united ultimately through faith in Christ and that we would all be stronger for this and that we would be able to represent Jesus well in the midst of these controversial times. So that's it for this episode of Engaging Culture. Hope that was helpful to you. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.